Nobody wins unless everybody wins. This is your time. We're in this game. An impossible goal. These guys are good. Scary good. And this crowd is going bananas. As they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Line Change, the NHL betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Lieboff. I am the hockey editor here at Action. And joining me, as always, is my friend and professional better. You know him on gambling Twitter as So Many Sports, aka the guy who is cursing out the Rangers uh, after every game. And So Many, we're on to round two. Uh, eight teams left in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Some really, really fun uh, series matchups here. We got the Battle of Alberta the Sunshine State battle between the Panthers and Lightning, an intriguing one between the Avalanche and Blues and uh, the aforementioned Rangers and Hurricanes. But let's start with the uh, first series that will get underway. That'll be on Tuesday, May 17th at 7 p.m. Eastern time. The Sunshine State rivalry. Florida Panthers are minus 170 on the series money line. The Lightning plus 150. The Panthers have already taken money uh, in on the series line uh, at DraftKings where I was looking. And the game one line is... Panthers minus 155, Lightning plus 140. The over-under here is seven. I think we could actually see this series play out pretty similarly to what we saw from Tampa in round one against the Leafs, where they kind of got their bearings early in the series and then won the big moments. And they got the break. They'll always bet on themselves to to be the team that will edge you out in the deciding 2-1, 3-2 games. Uh, So I do think that makes this an interesting one to play because you could maybe wait for Florida to, to win game one and then get an even bigger price on the underdog. And I know that sounds counterintuitive, but the Lightning are just never dead. So I'm going to sit out from the original market. And if the Lightning lose game one, I think I'll probably buy back in on them at, at an even bigger number. Yeah, I am I am with you here. I think that my my outlook on, on, on the series, it's, um, it's similar to what you're saying, right? So we thought it wouldn't be straightforward for the Panthers against the against the Capitals, and it certainly wasn't. Um, I do think in this series that Tampa Bay can do everything Washington did to disrupt the Panthers, but just at a higher level, they can just do it better. Uh, the Capitals were strong through the through the neutral zone, um, but the Panthers made them pay off the rush with turnovers. Well, Tampa Bay can shut it down in the neutral zone as well. And I don't think they'll make as many mistakes as the Capitals did. The Capitals got leads, but couldn't put the games away because of inconsistent goaltending and the inability to get that momentum stopping goal. Well, Tampa Bay knows how to play with leads, have the best goaltender on the planet, and don't have any problems getting the big goal. The concern I do have for Tampa Bay is that the Leafs actually made them look slow five on five. And now you're stepping up in pace, especially in the Sunrise games. Um, I think this will be a long series as we go back and forth between the high-scoring Panthers wins and the Tampa Bay grinding out lower-scoring games. We'll also have a back-to-back in this series as well for games three and four, which could become a turning point. Um, Obviously, Vasilevsky will start both games. But the question here is, will the Panthers go with Bobrovsky back-to-back? Um, what if he has a tough game on the road in game three, right? So I don't know the answer to that, but the wrong move there could cost the Panthers the series. So um, that game three and four back-to-back is going to be really important. In the end, if point is healthy, I'll take the goaltending advantage on Tampa Bay as a dog in a seven-game series. That brings us to game one, though. 
in game one of the series, there is a historical advantage against teams coming off game seven. I suspect a lot of this is negated now this season with the extra day off that, that the teams are getting. I don't expect Braden Point to play, which is going to make it tougher for Tampa Bay to match up on the road, especially with the lack of speed that we saw from the Lightning in their bottom six. Once Point is officially out, during uh, probably during morning skate, the Panthers will take money. I do think that with him out, they are still short up to... Um, up to minus 155, minus 160. Yeah, and I think some credit needs to be given to Bobrovsky. I think, you know, people are talking about Carter Verhage for good reason. He was tied with McDavid in terms of uh, playoff scoring until, uh, I think, game seven for the Oilers. But Bobrovsky was the most important player in that that series because he prevented the Panthers from going down 3-1. So he's in good form, but I think what we've seen out of him is that we know that Sergei Bobrovsky who shows up on Tuesday might not be the Sergei Bobrovsky who shows up on Thursday. Yeah. Meanwhile, Andre Vasilevsky who didn't really have a great by his standards stretch run in the regular season. And then followed that up with a, once again, by his standards, mediocre performance against the Maple Leafs until game seven, when he was fantastic. If that Vasilevsky is now back, the goaltending edge is just gigantic because he's just that much better than everyone. And he's got the defense that is very good at at insulating him, especially in big moments, which we saw in that third period of game seven against the Leafs uh, when the Lightning were just selling out to block everything. They they did something very similar to the Islanders in game seven of the Eastern Conference final last year. I remember that. I still have nightmares about Ryan (laughs) McDonough blocking shots with his shin and Eric Chernak taking him off his face in game seven against the Islanders. It's like, this is a team that just knows how to kind of like pace itself. And we've said this about them in the regular season, but they just showed they know how to pace themselves in a series too. Yeah. It's really, really outrageous. You know, you just got to give them a lot of credit um, for, for what they've done. And the coaching is, is superb. So yeah, I think, um, you know, you, you'll be on the Panthers in game one, most likely I'll probably be sitting out game one, but we'll be playing Tampa. Uh, should they balloon if uh, on the series line, if they lose game one, which they're underdogs. So it could happen. Um all right, the other game Tuesday night, Colorado Avalanche are playing again. It feels like we haven't seen them in quite some time because they swept the uh, Nashville Predators unceremoniously in round one. They're minus 400 against the very deep, offensively talented St. Louis Blues, three to one on the money line. The game one minus 215 for the Avs, plus 175 for the Blues, over under six and a half. You won't be surprised if you listen to the show. I like the blues. I like the blues at these numbers plus 175 plus 300 on the series line. I think are both playable. Um, St. Louis does a couple things very well that I think gives them a couple feasible paths to success against the avalanche. This is a deep offensive team, so they can match Colorado's top nine. Look, Colorado has the better players in, in their top nine, but St. Louis can at least run with them. And two, the, the, the finishing talent on the Blues, this is an opportunistic offense. We know that their scoring chances, they don't generate a ton of them, but the ones they do are usually good quality looks. They're very opportunistic. They're good on the rush. So I think that in a, in a series where Colorado will have the puck for you know 60% of the time, St. Louis actually won't mind that, right? Like they'll they'll be able to, to absorb a counter. And they unlike Nashville, they have the finishers and the, the facilitators to, to take advantage of those opportunities. And there's also the Darcy Kemper issue. He was injured in game three for the Avalanche. That was 10, 11 days ago uh, by the time this puck drop will drop. So we just don't know how the, he'll do deal with the rust. Um, also, I mean, it was an eye injury. How is he going to deal with that? Don't know. Uh, he was really good during the regular season. He was strong during when he played in the Nashville series. Uh, but 
he's a question mark. And Jordan Bennington was a good form when he took over for Ville Husso. So the goaltending situation, I think if, if this series had been played two weeks ago, you'd say decided advantage Colorado is now a wash. So the avalanche, they deserve the big number. They deserve to be a big, big favorite. They deserve to be the Stanley cup favorite, but this blues team I think is incredibly live. Yeah. I think, um, I think Colorado uh, might, might be in trouble here. Look, um, we always talk about the playoff demons that some teams need to exercise, but we need to look at the Avs in that respect as well. The Avalanche were rolling last year too before collapsing against Vegas, and they lost in the second round in the bubble to that magical Dallas Stars squad as well, which uh, still brings a smile to my face. You know, if you if you look at it on paper and you and you kind of see the way that the series went last year, you would think that there's no reason why the Avs don't deal with the Blues again. Um, I really thought that the Avalanche would get a break with their first round bye and getting a banged up Wilder Blues squad in this round, but it didn't play out that way. The Blues Wild series wasn't nearly as physical as I as I envisioned. Um, of course, the multiple the the the, the multi goal spreads in that series wasn't wasn't conducive to a physical brand of hockey. Um, the the Blues have much better depth throughout their lines, uh, which we've alluded to all season. But the health on the back end is the big question here. It doesn't look like Krug, uh, Tori Krug, will be ready for Game One, um, at least for Game One, I should say, and 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 that's obviously a, a big loss for them. We also need to talk about the goaltending here because we need to give credit to Jordan Bennington. Um, he has um, he has been an auto fade and an auto over for me all season, um, but he played well in the first round and he. He really made me pay in that first round as well. So we have a very recent example of him stepping up his game during the playoffs. And we just saw in the Calgary-Dallas series um, where a hot goalie in the playoffs can steal series. I do worry about Colorado here, um, playing a Nashville team with a questionable defense, less balance offensively, and no goaltending is one thing. But now you're getting a team that could probably make me a 20-goal scorer, possible hot goalie, and a defense that's getting healthier. So I think Colorado's in trouble. Um, for, for game one, I do think that the Blues are live. Um, at plus 190-ish, um, I think that um, they are being undervalued. For the series, um, I, ha- I have a tough time getting there on the Blues for the series. Um, but it is certainly not going to be straightforward for Colorado here. So I, I think where you're headed with um, with the Blues for the value in this series, I can definitely see that. Yeah, and let's also not forget about Bennington. That sweep, and this sounds weird because they got blown out basically by the Avalanche last year in a series that I couldn't stop betting the Blues last, you know, and, and I should have stopped right away. But Bennington was was pretty good in that series against the avalanche. His numbers might not show it, but there were a couple games there where he was under siege and kept St. Louis deep into the game. Um, so, and of course he had that playoff run when, when they won the Stanley cup. So like you said, like they were just goaltending is so weird and you can just get a money goaltender in the playoffs who just shows up and he's a money goaltender in the playoffs. And you, you're not going to be able to quantify that during the regular season. And, you know, we, we are both, you know, you, you, you're, you model games, I'm looking at numbers all the time and, and trying to stick to them, but they're just in the playoffs. It's a little different and, and you can kind of bet into stuff like that, especially when it comes to goaltending, because it is incredibly, you know, volatile. And I, I mean, I do, this is crazy too. Like I, I think like a, a correct score bet in the blues favor 
in something that you're just not you're not going to see coming basically is also worth a um maybe a shot like 20 to 1 on them to win 4-1 something crazy like that because the blues are being disrespected i think in the market um and that just is going to lend value on on the derivatives as well so uh you know if you want to have like a small sprinkle on something like that i think it's worth it but like i said blues plus 175 or better in game one i like the money line on the series price too i just i believe in this team and i'm i i paid i paid the price by not sticking with them against the wild because of the injuries but they it's the forwards that are carrying this team not the defense um all right we'll flip to wednesday now i don't even want to talk about this one the hurricanes and rangers uh the hurricanes are minus 190 on the series price the rangers plus 160 the game one line canes minus 170 plus 145 for the rangers the over under five and a half we can talk about the hurricanes in a little bit but let's try to unpack the rangers for a second both these teams went to game seven in their first round but if you watched all seven games of those series also 14 total games you would think they were playing different sports because the way the Rangers won their games and the way the Hurricanes and Bruins were winning their games, just completely different. Uh, I think that the Rangers ended up giving up 116 high danger chances to the Penguins in that series. Granted, there was a triple overtime game in there, but I mean, in overtime, you're supposed to be playing even tighter defensively. So that shouldn't balloon the number uh, all that much. Um, well, they created, I think, 58 or something. It was like a plus 60 differential on that stat by uh, a natural stat trick. Nobody who's not a Ranger fan. And by the way, to you tip your cap to the Rangers for, for being resilient and coming back in games uh, five, six and seven, including th- and, and coming back in the series three, one. But I think anyone who watched that series, who bet that series, who paid attention to that series would tell you the better team lost. And the Rangers just caught an absurd amount of incredibly significant breaks, whether it be Louis Domingue having to play 16 out of 24 p- periods in goal, whether it be Sidney Crosby going down, with a two nothing lead in game five with the penguins up to one, uh, three, one in the series, whether it be Alex Alexis Lafreniere ripping Marcus Pedersen's helmet off. So the Rangers can score a game tying goal with five minutes left in the third period of game seven. However, you'd want to paint it. The Rangers caught a ton of breaks and they didn't really get the goaltending from Igor until game seven, which makes this a little scary because if he did show up, if he is back on form all of a sudden they become a much more viable underdog against Carolina. I'll pause there and I'll let you unpack on the Rangers before we talk about the Canes. Yeah. Um, so I I completely agree with you, right? But the fact of the matter is that we can talk all we want about the Rangers not deserving to win that series, but we've talked about this all playoffs. The better team doesn't always win. It's about matchups. It's about health. It's about bounces. Um, that series turned on a dime once Crosby got hurt, but we also need to talk about what was happening up to that point. The Penguins were dominating five on five with their third string goalie and Shesterkin was having so much trouble with his form that we were suspecting that he may be fatigued. Even with the Crosby injury, the Rangers still had to come back in their games. They were still outplayed for large stretches, but the goaltending mismatch was just too much to overcome there. So the Crosby injury also allowed the Rangers to match up better, especially in game six um, as as that game wore on with Igor, he, he did fight through his issues and, and the Rangers, they did take advantage of some of the Penguins forwards playing larger minutes than they otherwise uh, would have. And the strain on the defense with, um, with uh, Dumoulin's injury. So I have a tough time with this, with this series, because if you look at the numbers and you look at logic, they really shouldn't, Carolina shouldn't have any trouble with the Rangers. 
but we both know that it doesn't always work that way. So um, I'm a little bit on the fence here. Um, I think I probably need to spend some more time on this series, but um, we've talked about this all year. It's Igor is a great equalizer. So I, um, it's really tough for me um, to uh, bet uh, against him right now. Yeah, I think one, one, another couple of things just to keep in mind here for the Hurricanes. Um, in terms of five-on-five five play, like the Penguins were a solid team during the regular season. The Hurricanes were one of the best two or three in the NHL. Public models had them basically third, second, third, or fourth in terms of high danger chances, expected goal rate, um, shot attempt share at five-on-five. Five. Another thing to keep in mind, too, is the Rangers' power play clipped at 31.6% against the Penguins. And I think you could also argue that that 31.6% undersells just how good it was and how timely it was. I mean, they, they scored the series winning goal on the power play. They turned game six on a dime on a power play because of the Evan Rodriguez penalty. That said, the Hurricanes had the best penalty kill in the regular season, 88%. Of course, they didn't go against a power play this good every game. So that number is obviously not going to stay that high. The Bruins clipped at like 20 and a half percent. Bruins have a good power play, but a few of those came on, you know, extended five on threes and stuff like that. So that edge, you'd expect that edge to be muted. You'd expect the edge and goal with Igor against a, not a number three goalie against anti Ranta. Of course it's a backup, but he, he looked good against the Bruins. That gap should be somewhat smaller in terms of uh, the goaltending disparity but like you said, it's just it's it's really it takes some bravery to bet against the Rangers team at right now, this Rangers team right now because they're just this you know opportunistic kind of outlier. Um, but I will say, if you are going to bet the Hurricanes on the series line, I would I would search for minus one and a half and minus two and a half and play them at plus one ten at minus one and a half plus two twenty minus two and a half because if they do win, like if the, the Hurricanes do win, it should be by, by multiple games. Cause it's just, that would be just them imposing their will as the better team, the better five on five team uh, in the series. So um, that'd be where I'm looking, but boy, it's, it's kind of just hard to, to get involved against this Ranger team right now. I, I do, I do want to ask you about the total though, uh, five and a half for, for game one right now. We've seen uh, outside of the flames, Oilers uh, flames um, star series, basically everything's been six, six and a half. Uh, do you think, that one is perhaps a little low and, and will tick up to six given the form of Igor and the fact that he's going up against anti Ranta. So I will provide some insight into um, how my thinking has changed about totals in the NHL this year, um, especially as the season has, has gone on. A couple of years ago, there was a prevailing theory that any game lined at five was an automatic over, right? So Regardless of who's playing, you see a five, you bet the over just because of the way that the league was trending. So now what that theory um, dictates is that anytime you have a five and a half, that's an automatic over, unless, of course, it's a game seven, because the game seven, five and a half is an adjustment down from the six. So a five and a half in a regular game and we consider playoff games now to just be regular games because of the way that that these games have been called. There's no there's no difference now between playoffs and the regular season outside of a game seven. So even with the five and a half, even with the way that Carolina plays disciplined, even with Igor, you have a five and a half, you have to look at the over. If I do get involved in the over, I might 
I, I, I do need it to be a, a little bit cheaper, but um, it's the over that that I'll be looking at here. And it just goes to show that like things change over um, over the years. Right now, we're in a period in the NHL where uh, we're basically the opposite of the dead puck era, where <laughs> where where we made, we made a living on on under four and a half at plus one thirty, plus one forty. So now um, we're looking at the over sixes at plus money when you have um, a line a game lined at, at the five and a half yeah we saw a five uh for a little while on game seven day between yeah. the flames and stars a lot of fun and that was an automatic over yeah exactly and, and what it we pushed, pushed but yeah, it pushed but beautiful beautiful push yeah <laughs> like come on um with the way ottinger played and that that game was nuts uh but we are a podcast that looks ahead not back really um so we will look ahead to flames minus 190 I guess the Oilers uh, plus 160 on the series money line. This is the battle of Alberta. Everybody in Canada has been waiting for this one in the playoffs and they're getting it. They're getting it with McDavid involved, Johnny Gaudreau, Daryl Sutter. All the stars are coming out for the battle of Alberta here. Uh, Game one minus 160 in favor of the flames plus 140 for the Oilers and an over under of six. I think in terms of the series price, the Oilers are, are live. Um, I do have, a couple of causes of for concern from from the uh, for the Oilers from their perspective during the Stars Flame series, we talked about how uh, it was hard to imagine Jake Ottinger playing any better than he was, and I said that at like Game One, and he showed me I was very very wrong. I kind of had the same feeling about Mike Smith. He was really good in that Kings series and faced a lot of volume because uh, that that series was much more open than we thought until Game Seven. So I think the goaltending matchup here. The disparity between Markstrom, who's a Vezina uh, candidate, who's he's, of course he's not going to win because Igor is, but still a Vezina candidate this season, um, a nominee, and Mike Smith. I think it's pretty wide and it might be underratedly wide given how Smith played in the last series. And even though Markstrom played really well, Ottinger was a story there. So I do have some causes for concern there. And the Flames just dominated play. Of course, that was the Stars. Oilers are a much better team, but um, I think Calgary might get a little bit underrated just coming off of that series and while smith could be a little bit overrated and we have to mention that like like leon dreisaitl does not look healthy at the moment i think that's the key there um we need to this this series is going to be outstanding but um we need to monitor dreisaitl i have a really tough time envisioning oilers coming out of this series if um if Drysaddle's not healthy, um, just like the Blues, we've been concerned about the Oilers' goaltending all season. Uh, but Mike Smith was outstanding in the first round. There were times in that series where the Kings were carrying the play, and the Oilers needed Smith just to keep them in the game. I mean, there's not much you can ask for from your goaltender in the playoffs. Um, you know me; I do, I do hesitate thinking ahead and envisioning a hot goaltender to to start struggling just because of of the sample size, right? Like we've seen goaltenders um, who aren't as good as they, as they're playing, but they hold that form throughout the whole playoffs. Um, So the goaltending mismatch is evident here. Um, I don't think anybody's going to argue that uh, Mike Smith is even in the same um, stratosphere as Jacob Markstrom. The thing I'm looking out for in, in this series is that Calgary is going to want to try to, push Edmonton around and they may have success doing that um, and they may wear down the Oilers through the course of a long series 
because Calgary has more depth, um, both on the forward lines as well as on defense as well. So I look for a guy like Cassian, right? Like with his size, is he able to step up? Or like a guy like um, Evander Kane with his size, if he's able to step up on like the forward. So in terms of betting, I do like the over for game one. I do think that initially um, both teams will probably be okay with just playing playing their game and playing a more wide open style. But as this series goes on, um, I do think that things are going to start tightening up. All right. Uh, with that, we'll move on to top shelf bets, our favorite bets for the game ones of round two. These games are on Tuesday, May 17th and Wednesday, May 18th. Top shelf where mama hides the cookies. Uh, I'll go first. I like the St. Louis Blues plus 175 or better in game one against the Colorado Avalanche. The Blues have a feasible path to success against Colorado. This is a deep offensive team who is very opportunistic, right? So Colorado is likely to have a lion's share of the puck throughout this entire series, but the Blues just won't mind that. They're quick strike offense. They're very good at getting into dangerous scoring areas, and they're very good at counterpunching. So St. Louis at this number with a goaltender, Jordan Bennington, who's in form and has proven in the past to be a playoff monster. I think you're just getting a good number. And I think that the Avalanche are, uh, they're in a little bit of trouble here. So give me St. Louis at a good number for game one. What's your favorite bet? I will be joining you on the Blues. Um, my my favorite bet is I'm going to lay lay the price. With the Florida Panthers, um, I think that in game one with Braden Point out, I think that that they're a little bit short at home. Um, I also think that Tampa Bay has been through this multiple times. We've seen Tampa Bay kind of start series. I don't want to say lackadaisical. They're, they're not, but, and we've seen this all season too, and we talked about it multiple times, that they pace themselves, right? Like, like there's there's no reason for this team to kind of, make sure that they have a one nothing lead. Obviously, you try to win every playoff game, but it's not that same urgency. So I do think that with point out, the uh, Panthers, um, they they are a little bit short here. So I will be on them up to minus 160-ish. All right, uh, that wraps up this episode of Line Change. Uh, we'll be back with you on Thursday morning. But until then, we wish you the best of luck with your NHL bets for round two.